0: Welcome to episode eight of the Brave Ideas for Social Change podcast series produced by the University of Denver Graduate School of Social Work, which is celebrating its 90th anniversary this academic year. The series draws on GSSW faculty expertise for fast-moving discussions on emerging research, practice, and policy innovations to spur social change. Today's guest is Assistant Professor Kai-Peng Wang whose research aims to understand how social determinants, such as discrimination, acculturation, and food insecurity, contribute to health and mental health disparities among ethnic minorities and immigrants, particularly older adults. His work informs the development, evaluation, and implementation of culturally sensitive interventions to improve mental health outcomes for older adults. Dr. Wang, thank you so much for being here to share more about your important work.
1: Thank you so much, Dean McBride. It's such a pleasure to be here.
0: So the pandemic has magnified so many disparities across society. And what we're hearing is that ethnic minorities, immigrant communities, older adults, they're all disproportionately affected. What are some of the health and mental health disparities experienced by these individuals? And how have these changed or grown as a result of the pandemic?
1: So during the COVID-19 pandemic, we certainly see many disparity-related factors being significantly amplified. Older Americans or minority or immigrants have reported the lowest rate of access to telehealth and telemedicine, which deprived them of essential medical and mental health care, especially during the peak of the pandemic. Age itself is a risk factor for poor outcomes from COVID-19, An older age is often negatively correlated with individual self-efficacy in using technologies. In addition, older Asian Americans, especially women, are increasingly experiencing physical harassment. For example, security videos have shown older Asians being pushed to the ground, kicked in the body, or stumped in the head by assailants, yelling racial slurs and telling them that they did not belong to this country. In New York City, for example, harassment incidents reported to the police department have decreased overall since 2019. But if we look more closely, we see that incidents of harassment actually increased when the victim was Asian. These incidents are still happening, causing a lot of anxiety and fear among older Asian Americans and preventing them from even trying to get food, not to mention mental health services.
0: This is simply disgusting. It's heartbreaking to consider that even today, risk of harassment could prevent people from meeting their most basic needs. For older adult immigrants then that are in the U.S., what other health-related barriers do they face? What are some of those social determinants that you found most affect their physical and mental
1: health? In addition to common determinants among older Americans in general, such as age, and socioeconomic status. For older immigrants in the U.S., particularly Asians, family relationships and acculturation have a profound impact on physical and mental health, including their health behaviors, health service use, and health outcomes. For instance, my studies found that acculturation is significantly associated with food insecurity, advanced care planning, depression, and self health among older Chinese Americans and Puerto Ricans living in the continental U.S.
0: I so appreciate what your research is revealing. I think that in common parlance, when we talk about social determinants of health for immigrant communities, often the focus is on access to care and how language may be a barrier. We may not recognize the many complex ways that culture and acculturation are involved in how systems are experienced by diverse populations. I'd love for you to share with our listeners more about how the populations you study experience the health and mental health systems here in the U.S.
1: Sure. So when we think about language barriers, many equate that with translation services alone. However, the disparity in mental health service use includes not only language barriers, but also a lack of culturally responsive services. For example, even though the U.S. is one of the most advanced mental health systems in the world, older generations of immigrants are still associating mental health service with simply taking medication or being locked up in an inpatient psychiatric unit. So from a language perspective, many older adults who need mental health services know very well that they're not gonna be admitted to an inpatient treatment facility, but they still have negative thoughts about mental health services. Without culturally responsive services, mental health-related stigma can be perpetuated, leading to disengagement from mental health services, which remains a significant mental health gap among older Asian-Americans.
0: You recently published a study on end-of-life care planning among older Chinese-Americans. End-of-life planning has been associated with improved quality of care, fewer unnecessary medical treatments, lower medical treatment costs, and reduced anxiety and distress among patients and their family members. And yet, only about 20% of older Chinese Americans have even heard about advanced directives. What have you learned and what do you recommend?
1: For those who are unfamiliar with the term, An advanced directive is a legal document that allows your healthcare team, and loved ones to know what kind of health care you want and who you want to make decisions for you when you can't. Advanced directives are one important component of end-of-life care planning, which can also include things like drafting a will. My colleagues and I have found that the advanced direct completion rate among Chinese-Americans aged 50 or above is only 14%, which is much lower than non Hispanic white, Hispanic, and African American counterparts. To effectively promote end of life care planning for Chinese Americans, it is critical to understand the facilitators of and barriers to advanced directive completion. One might assume that health status would be the most salient predictor of advanced care planning for older adults. However, we have found that for Asian or Chinese Americans, Social and culture factors play even stronger roles in advanced care planning. More specifically, Chinese Americans who have U.S. citizenship were three times more likely to complete advanced directives than those who don't, even after controlling for health needs factors, such as depression and self-rated health. Higher acculturation level indicated by things like speaking more English than Chinese, or attending American events more often than Chinese events is also significantly associated with higher chances of advanced directive completion. We also found that a better family relationship was associated with higher self-efficacy and a better attitude toward advanced care planning. So those findings highlight that advanced care planning is not just a personal matter, but a family matter for Chinese Americans. Those factors are important to consider when we engage older Chinese Americans in culturally appropriate and family-centered end-of-life care planning.
0: What can and and should social workers be doing to better engage older Chinese Americans and other older adults around end-of-life care?
1: It's important to recognize a continuum of health prevention, assessment, and intervention in engaging older adults. From a direct practice standpoint, our conversations should be guided by a better understanding of where the clients are in their life journey. But when people are seeking mental health care, these topics are often overlooked. Given the empirical evidence, it is critical to assess cultural and social factors, such as family relationships and death attitudes. When it comes to intervention, Culturally sensitive psychoeducation is often the first option for raising awareness of healthcare-related issues. And for Chinese Americans, including family members in these conversations, it's highly recommended. Social workers have the responsibility, qualities, and training to engage people in difficult conversations. Taking end-of-life care as an example, I'm currently working with the Chinese American Coalition for Compassionate Care. We know that for many Chinese Americans, initiating conversation about end-of-life care causes a lot of discomfort. To minimize comfort, the coalition developed the Heart-to-Heart Cafe, where they printed a variety of -of end-of-life care-related issues on a standard card deck and characterized them into physical, social, psychological, and financial needs using four different suits. By the way, many Chinese Americans love playing cards, so when you have this culturally sensitive tool and combine that with excellent focus group facilitators who are often social workers to guide folks to play the game, you can find a lot older Chinese Americans enjoying this advanced care planning conversation, even with people they don't even know yet. One thing, therefore, I can never overemphasize is the empathy creativity, and innovation that social workers possess to engage participants in these conversations.
0: I love the emphasis on creativity and innovation. These are things I just, we don't talk enough about in social work. This conversation is such a powerful reminder to me of their importance, and it underscores the need for social work to be even more culturally appropriate and responsive. There are lives at stake in all of this. How do we move the needle Uh, more, in both education and practice. What are your suggestions?
1: I think this really speaks to the importance of the social work profession in general to continue its focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion. GSSW is a leader in the profession evidenced by our commitment to advancing social justice and emphasis on community engagement. But beyond that, it's important to recognize that Asian Americans are still underrepresented in the social work workforce. In the 2020 census, 6% of respondents identified as Asian American, up from 4.8% a decade earlier. But in 2016, only 3% of masters and 1.9% bachelor's degree graduates in social work were Asian. I believe that partially explained why many Asian Americans, particularly older folks, can't even find a licensed social worker who can speak their language and provide culturally responsive services in their community. It's important for us to further incorporate the life and perspectives of the Asian American community in our curriculum, promote experiential learning for our current students and in their internships and practice with Asian American communities And recruit a more diverse MSW student body, which will in turn help to develop diverse and inclusive services for people from different backgrounds.
0: Thank you so much for this discussion. Your work is incredibly relevant to today's world.
1: Thank you. It's my great honor to contribute to social change at GSSW.
0: Listeners, please subscribe to our Brave Ideas for Social Change podcast for more conversations like this. Learn more at socialwork.du.edu forward slash change. For more information on the history of GSSW and what the next 90 years have in store for the school and the profession of social work, visit socialwork.du.edu forward slash next 90. Thank you for joining us.